0: We are going to read all of Psalm 102, the whole 28 verses. <laughs> Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I am in distress. Turn your ear to me when I call. Answer me quickly. For my days vanish like smoke. My bones burn like glowing embers. My heart is blighted and withered like grass. I forget to eat my food. Because of my loud groaning, I am reduced to skin and bones. I am like a desert owl, like an owl among the ruins. I lie awake. I have become like a bird alone on a roof. All day long my enemies taunt me. Those who rail against me use my name as a curse. For I eat ashes as my food and mingle my drink with tears. Because of your great wrath, for you have taken me up and thrown me aside. My days are like the evening shadow. I wither away like grass. But you, O Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. You will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to show favor to her. The appointed time has come. For her stones are dear to your servants. Her very dust moves them to pity. The nations will fear the name of the Lord, All the kings of the earth will revere your glory. For the Lord will rebuild Zion and appear in his glory. He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. Let this be written for a future generation, that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. The Lord looked down from his sanctuary on high From heaven he viewed the earth to hear the groans of the prisoners and to release those condemned to death. So the name of the Lord will be declared in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem when the peoples and the kingdoms assemble to worship the Lord. In the course of my life he broke my strength, he cut short my days. So I said, do not take away Do not take me away, O my God, in the midst of my days. Your years go on through all generations. In the beginning, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like clothing, you will change them, and they will be discarded but you remain the same and your years will never end. The children of your servants will live in your presence. Their descendants will be established before you.
1: Well, thank you so much, Heather. And if you could open up Psalm 102 and keep it open, maybe on your phones or on your devices, you could click on that if you've got a phone with a camera and it will take you to that passage. All right. Well, let's let's pray before we begin. Our gracious and loving heavenly Father, it's good to gather as your people at the end of the year around your word. And you have been the same, Lord, and you are the same. Uh, you're eternal, the alpha and the omega. Uh, you do not change. And therefore, the words that you speak in promise in the past, we know uh, your constancy, your character, your faithfulness will ensure that you keep your promises and you will stay with us in the year ahead. And for that, we give you thanks and praise. Our great God, now as we come to your living word, Psalm 102, speak to us and help us uh, please deepen our faith in you, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so today, New Year's Eve, 2023, how's it been? (laughs) All right. New Year's Eve is when you often evaluate the year that's been and you look forward, perhaps, to doing better in the year ahead. So, let's think about you and the Lord. Um, Looking back in 2023, would you say that on the whole, 2023 was a year when you found yourself leaning more in to God, that is, talking to him more, Asking questions of him more, crying out to him more, depending on him more. Has this year been a year where you have more lent into God? Or, on the whole, would you say, no, 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 actually, I think I've done that less. I've lent back from God more. I've spoken to him less, I've asked less questions of him, I've expressed less of what's going on for me, I actually have less hope, less frustration, or I've expressed that to him, I've expressed less trust, I've expressed less confidence, I've relationally drawn back, I've relationally detached from him more. For the next five weeks, I thought it would be good for our souls at the start of the new year to spend time in the Psalms to better learn how to lean into God more in faith across a range of life's experiences. The Psalms are there to teach us, to tutor us in this, and they cover an immense range of human experiences and emotions. If you want to learn how to relate to God across the wide spectrum of life circumstances, just read the Psalms out loud. They'll give you the vocabulary, it's helpful for you, it teaches you how to relate to God in faith across the spectrums of life circumstances. They model what it means to lean into God rather than away from God. They model, in other words, what faith looks like. So today I want to look at how we relate to God, how we lean into God during times of sickness. It can be very hard to pray when you're sick Now, all of us will have been sick in 2023 at some point or other, but for some of us, we've had to deal with significant illnesses and ongoing illnesses, and last year, or this year, was very challenging for us on this front. Of course, none of us like being sick. We wish we weren't sick when we're sick. We wish it would all just go away. How do you relate to God when you're sick? Sickness can mean, of course, that you pray more. You pray more often about what matters. Um, when you're sick, of course, you don't tend to care about life's trivialities. It focuses you. But you can be so focused on feeling poorly that you don't feel like praying. That's my experience. I, when I'm sick, my desire to pray kind of evaporates. Uh, I don't feel prayerful, I just feel awful. And if we're here and we think, oh no, no, in my, the way I think about the world and myself, I think sickness is for other people, not for me. When you encounter sickness, of course it can raise massive doubts for you. What is God doing? Does he really care? Is he paying attention to me when I'm asking him to heal me? Why doesn't he listen? And that can cause you to lean back from God and to detach from God or at least press pause in your life of faith. My observation is that Christians are on a spectrum here. They oscillate between two extremes in prayer when they're sick. On the one hand, some of us believe we shouldn't ever really get sick. God wants what's good for us after all. Didn't Jesus carry our sicknesses at the cross? When we do get sick, therefore, we are shocked. Why is this happening to me? And we say that even though we know we're outside of Eden, we're living in a land that's cursed, in a time that's cursed, we are not in heaven yet and somehow we're shocked when when we get sick. Interesting, isn't it? And therefore we pray in Jesus' name and we expect total healing and pretty much immediate healing. And then if that doesn't happen, then we're in a crisis because either we conclude God's the problem He's not faithful, he's not good, he's not responsive. Or we say, actually, we're the problem. Uh, My faith must be too weak. Or maybe I'm more sinful than I realize and I'm being punished. Either way, it's massively discouraging. On the other hand, some of us, when we get sick, we never ever pray to God at all about getting better. We never think that God could heal us, we never think that God would heal us. Now maybe this is because our hope is actually in Jesus' resurrection, his return. Our, our hope is on the, getting the resurrection body when all things will be made new. But maybe also we don't pray because of an unspoken belief that perhaps the Lord's too busy really to be bothered with me. Maybe I'm too unemployment un- unimpo- unemployed, maybe I'm too unimportant. Um, maybe we have a history of unanswered prayer Times in the past when we have been ill, when we have prayed for healing and it hasn't happened and we don't want to be disappointed again. And that means we can stop praying altogether. Wherever you fit along that spectrum of prayerfulness or prayerlessness in times of sickness, we can, you can get easily discouraged. And we can find ourselves leaning away from God rather than leaning into God during times of sickness. So let me ask you, 2023, was it a time when you'd say, on the whole, you lent into God more in faith? Or you actually lent away from Him more? I think we could all do much better in learning how to lean into God more when we're sick. I need help in this. My guess is you do too. Psalm 102 is there to help us. All right, I want you to begin at verse zero. All right, look in your Bibles there. Uh, verse zero, it wasn't read, although it was on the screen, it is there in the original, it is part of the word of God. It says, "And a prayer of an afflicted person who has grown weak and pours out a lament before the Lord. Now let's just think on that, it's very helpful. First of all, it's a prayer. So this teaches us how to pray. It's the prayer of an afflicted person or a sick person who's grown weak. In other words, they are, they, they've been sick and they've been sick for quite a long time and it's taken its toll. Now if we've been sick for a long time, it's possible to think God's uncaring or, and you can grow weak in faith, you can stop praying. Here is someone, interestingly, who though weak, though sick, pours out their lament before the Lord. Now, I realize that this won't necessarily fit within our definition of prayer if you think prayer is only asking God for things. But prayer is much more than that. Prayer is talking to God. It's not necessarily asking him for things. It's talking to him, meaning that when we've asked for healing, and we haven't received it, it doesn't, it's not time to stop talking to God. <laughs> you can still relate to God in faith by talking to him and if you're frustrated, you can tell him you're frustrated. If you're afraid, you can tell him your fears. If we're worried, we tell him our worries. That's what it means to lean into God in faith instead of turning away from him. Leaning into God is exercising faith in him. So if we were to now move down to beginning at verse one, (laughs) we can learn from the psalm how to pray when we're sick and there are three steps modeled for us. First of all, he expresses lament, verses one to 11. Then he expresses hope, verses 12 to 22. And then last of all, expressing faith verses 23 to 28. In a way, it's all expressing faith, but at the end, faith in his current situation for himself. Okay. First of all, expressing lament, verses 1 to 11. Hear my prayer, Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Now, presumably, the reason why he's calling on God to hear his prayer, and God, please let my prayer come to you, is because he's experienced unanswered prayer. He's cried out in the past, but it seems like his prayers have been blocked. Has that ever happened to you in your experience? So rather than stopping praying, he talks to God about it, and he calls on God to respond differently. Do not hide your face from me when I'm in distress. (laughs) Don't turn away. Turn your ear to me when I call. I want you to answer me quickly. Now I just want to ask, do you ever pray like this at all? Is that bold, telling God what to do, part of your prayer vocabulary, or are you too meek? Do you think it improper? Do you ever say, could you ever say, turn your face to me? Open your eyes, look and see, turn your ears towards me, listen to what I'm saying, and remember what I'm saying. Get up, would you ever say to the Lord. Lift your arm and do something. The Psalms are full of this language. They are full of it. You just read the Psalms and you see how often um, the Psalmist calls on God to bodily do something. Now, it may be theologically imprecise. God does not have a body, God is spirit. But relationally, it's on point. Look at me. Okay. Um, Doug came over to my place yesterday. We were talking in the kitchen, Freya was there, and I was getting her a drink, she didn't want a drink, she wanted to go outside with the dogs. So what does she do? She stands right in front of you and she pushes you Dad, listen to me, <laughs> all right? That's what the psalmist is doing, okay? If you want some, someone's attention, you speak in bodily terms. Now, in my prayer life, my own prayer life, I'm trying to learn to do this. I'm trying to do it more when I'm feeling desperate. And I'm pretty sure that Jesus himself prayed like this. Hebrews chapter five, verse seven. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, He offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. Well the reason for the psalmist's prayer is that being laid low by extended sickness, he realizes his days are vanishing. Verse three, my days vanish like smoke. Um, If you've been ill for an extended period of time, you know this, you think I'm on earth for a limited time. I've got limited time to enjoy things, to do what I want to do, to achieve. And sickness is a massive interruption. And my days are just vanishing. They're unproductive, they're nothing. He's lamenting, his days are being wasted. Add to that, he says, my bones burn like glowing embers. In other words, he's got deep, he's feeling deep weakness and pain. He feels it in his bones. Now this could be many things, it could be chronic fatigue syndrome, it could be cancer. Um, He says, my heart is blighted and withered like grass, I forget to eat my food. Despair, hopelessness, distress, Verse five In my distress I groan aloud and I'm reduced to skin and bones. He looks at himself in the mirror, his body is a pale semblance of what it once was. He can't sleep, and when he's awake, he feels so alone. This is the this is the experience of when you're sick, isn't it? Everyone else is asleep at night except you. He says, Like a desert owl, like an owl among the ruins, I lie awake. You know, everyone else they're happy in asleep in bed, not me. I have become like a bird alone on a roof. This is what he's pouring out to the Lord. He's not saying it to himself, he's telling God this. He's lamenting, you see. And, and his relationships have changed. In verse eight, he's got en- now enemies who taunt him. The reason they taunt him is that because in verse nine, he's suffering so terribly, which they and he says, verse 10, is coming from your great wrath. And so that God is absolutely clear how he feels, he tells the Lord, you have taken me up, you have thrown me aside. He feels discarded like a piece of unwanted rubbish. He feels forgotten, he tells God this. He laments, verse 11, my days are like the evening shadow. The evening shadow, think about it. Daytime shadow lasts a long time, doesn't it? It lasts all day. Evening shadow, only a few minutes. Says, my days are like the evening shadow. I wither away like grass. He's lamenting. Now, I just want to ask the question, do you ever pray like this? When you feel terribly sad, is there permission in your mind to pour out your heart to the Lord? Do you lament, do you open your heart to him and pour it out? Because he wants you to. Um, at the beginning of last year we had to put our dog down and this little dog was my companion at home. Now I know a dog is not a person, okay? If you're there sitting and thinking I don't have a dog, what's the deal? Pet lovers. Um, Okay, just tolerate me for a moment. Yes, I know the dog is a dog, not a person, but for whatever reason, Annie's death really hit me. I remember she was so sick and I was digging her grave in the backyard, I was the only one home, I had to keep an eye on her, she was watching me. Oh. Um, The day after she died, she was at home, put down and we buried her. I remember swimming laps at Burnside Pool and my face was in the water and in my mind I said to God, would you mind? Would it be okay if I just poured myself out to you? And I did and of course the thing about doing that when you're swimming with your face in the water is no one can see your tears. So I just let myself go and I told, (laughs) You know, you might think it's silly. I told the Lord what this furry friend companion meant to me. Now, of course, I know she's just a dog, but, and many of you have had griefs much, much more significant than that. Including the grief of sustained illness. And maybe you don't feel permission to express lament towards God. The Psalm gives you permission. The first 11 verses, they're there. It's part of scripture. It's there to teach us. There's your permission. In fact, this psalm gives you more than permission. It gives you the vocabulary, the words you can use when your own words fail you, but you need some words to express a lament before God. And that's the thing about being a child of a loving heavenly father. He invites you to come to him and to pour yourself out to him. And we know that he'll understand because when God the Son entered our world, he entered it in a human body with all the limitations of the human body and, he, and relationships and he knows what it's like, he gets it. God will understand you. Ephesians 3 says, in Christ Jesus and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Jesus enables us to do this. So rather than, you see, leaning away from God in times of sadness, Lean into him, that's what it's saying. Pour yourself out, express your laments to him. Because the wonderful thing about starting there is that after you've done it, you don't stay there. In this Psalm, after he's expressed lament in verses one to 11, then he goes on and it's the same prayer. He goes on in verses 12 to 22 to express hope. And one comes after the other. But if all you've got is lament, you can't begin with hope, can you? You can't say, oh, I'm so hopeful, Lord. If all you're feeling is lament, that's where you begin, and you do it, and then hope comes. And that's what he now does. He goes right to the heart of the difference between God and us. Verse 11, he's mortal. He's in his twilight hours. Days are like the evening shadow. He's withering away like grass, but here's the contrast, verse 12. But you, Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. Now, he's reflecting on what God is like. That's where you begin. He doesn't say this with bitterness, I'm dying, you're eternal, easy for you, hard for me. God knows what it's like to be mortal. He knows it because of his son. He's saying, whereas I'm dying, you are eternal and you're powerful and therefore my hope as a mortal person resides in you. Because your character is one of compassion towards your children. Verse 13, you will arise and have compassion on Zion for it is time to show favor to her. The appointed time has come. And so now we see what this guy does is he places himself within the wider people of God. And he links his own restoration as a sick individual to their eventual restoration and God's collective concern to vindicate all of his children. Verse 14, her Zion stones are dear to your servants. Her very dust moves them to pity. His hope is God's rebuilding of his people and in that point in salvation history, that's concrete, he's linking it to the rebuilding of Zion. His hope is in God's rebuilding of his people and his appearing, verse 16, for the Lord will rebuild Zion and appear in his glory. And this hope is so central that it's said to be good news for the nations, verse 15. It's good news for the destitute, verse 17. It's good news for future generations, not yet born, verse 18, and that includes us. What he's tapping into when he's expressing his hope towards God is God's big plan. Verse 19, the Lord looked down from his sanctuary on high from heaven, he viewed the earth, to hear the groans of the prisoners and release those condemned to death. Now we know that Jesus came to release those condemned to death. He died the death that we deserve to remove death's sting from us. He rose from the dead. In defeat of death, a couple of days ago, I had the privilege of being able to go and visit Melissa's father-in-law, Ian, who I knew from my time in the city. And he'd spent decades going to church and decades reflecting on the word of God. And he couldn't really speak, he was sort of mouthing, babbling sort of incoherent words. But when I was reading Psalm 23 to him, he he was saying the words after me. It was so familiar to him. and yes, his body died, but he didn't die, that's the point. He didn't die, and he will get a new body on the day of resurrection. In other words, his departure was good. It was as good as can be because of Jesus. And he is where our hope is. And so verse 21, the name of the Lord will be declared in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem when, verse 22, when the peoples and the kingdoms assemble to worship the Lord. Now that's his hope. And we saw the nations assembling in Jerusalem to worship the Lord after Jesus rose from the dead at the day of Pentecost. And people turned to Christ from the nations and they were forgiven and they worshiped. It still happens again when the gospel is preached across the world when people come to Christ like Doug did and worship. And each of those moments are in fact only a preview of what will happen on the day of our great and glorious hope when Jesus Christ is revealed and sickness and death are abolished once and for all. That is the great hope for every believer who's sick. That was his hope that remains our hope. But I want you to see that we can do more with our hope than just think on it. We can express it, and this is crucial, in your life of faith. Um, the book of Colossians says that our faith and love spring from our hope. Okay. Now, something happens when you articulate to the Lord your hope. Because what happens is, instead of it just being a theoretical construct out there that will happen at some time in the future, you begin to own it. It's real for you when you speak the words out loud and when you speak them to the Lord, it becomes very, very real. And at that point, what the Lord does is he does surgery on your heart and your inner self, and he creates faith, personal faith um, for you. And so we come to the third step, The first one was expressing lament, begin where you are, pour out your heart. When you've done that, what happens is you move to hope. It happens, just as you pray. And then as you articulate that hope, third step, now you come to express personal faith in the Lord for you where you are, verse 23. Putting it all together, he says it straight. In the course of my life, he broke my strength. He cut short my days. Now, it might sound like he's giving up on God. Is he leaning away from him? Not at all. Verse 23, in the course of my life, he broke my strength, he cut short my days. Verse 24, so I said, do not take me away, my God, in the midst of my days. Your years go on through all generations. Now, there is faith. Think about verse 24. Do not take me away, my God, in the midst of my days. Your years go on through all generations. He acknowledges that God, eternal, powerful, compassionate, yes, sovereign, he's somehow behind his sickness. You've broken my strength, you've cut short my days. But instead, you see what happens, instead of sort of slipping into fatalistic resignation, or instead of being cold and angry in his heart towards God and letting him become calcified in his faith, He talks to God, he leans into him. He says, God, I'm sad. He remembers his hope and then he asks for God, the eternal God, his God, to hold him. Do not take me away, God, hold me. And he asks God to heal him. Do not take me away in the midst of my days. He wants to live just like God lives it's not that he doesn't accept the crucial difference between the lord who is eternal and himself as part of creation which is mortal verse 25 you laid the foundations of the earth the heavens and the work uh, the heavens are the works of your hands of course they will perish the heavens everything you've created it will perish but you will remain they will wear out like a garment like clothing you will change them they'll be discarded but you'll remain, he gets the fundamental difference, all things made will perish, whereas with God, verse 27, you remain the same, your years will never end. But, because he knew something of God's big plan, which we're more informed about, being born after Jesus, verse 28, in the final analysis, even someone chronically sick, he says to God with great faith, and this is where the psalm ends, The children of your servants will live in your presence. Their descendants will be established before you. He's talking about the hope of eternal life, actually. Eternal life is something that sometimes we don't think much about because of that word eternal. And we think, oh, that would be boring. Imagine existing forever. You know Queen's song, Who Wants to Live Forever? Assumed answer, no one. So it would be a curse if you did. Eternal life isn't eternal existence. It's not that. It's life. It's living in God's presence with God. Life that's full and real and rich and relational. It is like you are an eternal disciple of Jesus. Like you sit at Jesus' feet and you're with him. You're with him. And every positive vignette we get in the Gospels is a window, a little glimpse on what that will be. And that keeps you praying. So to finish, let's take our cue from the Psalmist. Um, 2024, what's it gonna be like between you and the Lord? Well, my exhortation for you is to determine (laughs) Every trial that comes your way, instead of leaning back from the Lord, leaning away from him, you lean into him. Okay, and you tell him how it is. He's big enough to cope, just tell him how it is. Pour yourself out to him. If you're frustrated, tell him you're frustrated. If you're tired, tell him you're tired. If you've had unanswered prayer, tell him to turn, your face, turn his face towards you, turn his ear towards you. Make sure he listens. Will you please listen this time? I'm fed up with saying this prayer. Lean in to God. Don't lean away from him. And as you do so, God will change you and create hope and then faith that's real which sustains you in your present circumstances. a loving and gracious God, we are so grateful to you for Psalm 102. We thank you that here is someone whose prayer, very real, was recorded for us so that we would learn. We thank you for Jesus, who because of Christmas, because he entered our world and took on human flesh, he knows what it's like. Thank you that you know what it's like. And thank you that he's a great example and and he gives permission to us. He called out to you with loud cries and with tears. So Father, help us to be someone who leans into you, not away. Father, may you, you are always our Father, but may we appreciate you more and relate to you more. As our Father, we can come to through your wonderful Son in the fellowship and the power of the Holy Spirit. Keep us, hold us, grow us in faith. In Jesus' name, amen.